The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. The Investment Fix Podcast. Tune in today. Skinny are helping you show how smart you are with the 1Q Quiz, an all-new, super-challenging and super-quick daily quiz built by The Spin-Off. Every Monday, Skinny are giving you the chance to prove you're smart with the Skinny Extra Credit question. Get it right, and you'll get the chance to score yourself some Skinny Extra mobile credit so you can text, call, or even video call your group chat and gloat about how big your brain is. T's and C's apply. Welcome to Paper Cuts, the podcast all about books. No mai ki na pepakati, te pakihere roki roki, o na puka puka. My name is Louisa Cossa, and I am joined by my venerable co-hosts, Jenna Todd and Karen Das. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and we're at PaperCutsPod, and you can email us at papercutspod at gmail.com. Uh, so today we have... Uh, <laughs> What we always have. <laughs> <laughs> Same old shit. Same old shit, mate. We've got book news, book reviews, not books, or not, and TBR piles. Uh, so first of all, in huge book news, we've got quite a lot of book news to catch up on. It's been yeah. a couple of, couple of months. As um, always. Yeah, it's true. The 2021 Occam shortlist has been announced. It's a wonderful and diverse lineup, and as ever, we recommend that you check out and add these books to your TBR pile. It's so good, guys. Uh, Karen, you can't talk about it again. <laughs> You've been silenced. You've been muzzled. I've been muzzled to the max. I mean, honestly, we all kind of have skin in the game at this point because um, I work for one of the publishers that has books of the shortlist, not to brag. But actually to brag, that was a brag. And I'm on the New Zealand Book Awards Trust. Exactly. <laughs> so we can't like try and pick our potential winners or anything like that. I can never guess though. No, neither. There's try, also that. We always get it wrong. This, which is humiliating. Yeah. <laughs> so All just will be forth, revealed soon. <laughs> go forth, do the research. And if you um, head over to our page on the spinoff, you can click on the link. So you don't even have to think about it for yourself. I feel <laughs> like over the past few years, the especially the... The Fiction Prize, the Jan Medlicott Acorn Prize for Fiction, has really got this, like, the customers are coming to the shop being like, who do you think's going to win? <laughs> like, you know, it's really cool. It's do you tell exciting. them? Um, no. No, you're diplomatic. I, don't I just can't think. Diplomatic <laughs> and clueless. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm spicy today. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um in related news, the Auckland Writers Festival program is live. So there's going to be a mixture of in-person and live-streamed theatre events. The lineup includes international guests like Kazuo Ishiguro and Douglas Stewart, old mate, and <laughs> also local legends like Pip Adam and Patricia Grace. It's such a cool lineup. Um, I can't wait to get down there. Please let us be able to attend in person. And that runs from the 11th to 16th of May. Karen, are you going to come? Well, I'll be up for the Occam's and I will be staying on for a little bit. So uh, I will be floating around. So maybe we'll have our traditional dinner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At Pongane. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that sounds great. I'm really excited. Some of the um, 
we're going to be talking about a few of these books on the podcast today, but I'm looking forward to the session with Michelle Langston in it. I'm looking forward to the session with Charlotte Grimshaw in it. I'm looking forward to the Kazuyo Ishiguro session. Yeah. Do I have the titles of them on my ear right now? No, but <laughs> I will book them soon. <laughs> I booked some of my tickets. Have you? Yeah. Oh, you're good. Well, no, I um, book, work booked them for me. <laughs> That's what I'm. I'm that person at work oh. that's meant to be booking it, and I haven't done it. Yeah, well, at least I think book, work has booked them for me. <laughs> Guess I should check in. Um, okay. Also live is the biennial. Did I say that right? Oh, who cares? Dunedin Writers and Readers Festival. Um, so that is actually running earlier. It's on the sixth to ninth of May. So if you are in the area, make sure you head along to that. Lots of awesome writers. I haven't looked at that program at all. I mean, a lot of similarities between the two programs, as you would imagine, because a lot of authors try and get their books out at a, at a good moment to be in these festivals. Mm. Um, well, there's a lot more Nalini Sing at the Dunedin <laughs> Writers' Festival. It's like the Nalini Sing Festival. Oh, no. go Nalini. <laughs> yeah. Love it. I've never read her. Hmm. Um, okay, next up, I believe that Karen might have added this to the doc, so... Why, why don't you speak to it? Uh, all I've got to say is that last time we talked about the Rathbones uh, Folio Prize, we talked about, I think maybe we talked about the long list or the short list, but yeah. the winner was announced just this morning and it's um, Carmen Machida. Um, Carmen Maria Machado. Yeah, Machado. I wrote it down. I don't have it in my notes, but she won for her um, latest memoir. Yeah. In the Dream House, which in the I've dream just house. read. That book's so good. Oh my God, it's so fucking good. I can't even, sorry, I can't even handle how good it is. I've been recommending <laughs> it to everyone. It's so good. I love all the fairy tale references mm-hmm. throughout and the way that she keeps on referring to this crazy index of fairy tale tropes in totally. a really funny and bizarre, oh, it's just so good. I so feel like good. it got lost in lockdowns last year. I read it really mm. early last mm. 2020. It's so smart. And it's like a psychological thriller. It's about an abusive relationship between two women. And it's so scary because it's so feel, I mean, it's a memoir, but it feels so real the way that she puts that like terror of someone's terrible personality oh yeah and it also has a great reference to that um to that song voices carry that 90s song uh who's it by is it by annie leonard no it's by uh uh, it'll come to me later anyway really great really great 90s angsty song at the end that i immediately went and listened to on spotify oh yeah oh that's great i didn't know that one i haven't even looked at the news today next up we have some very very important book news the most important. <laughs> um, so Paper Cuts is bowing out for now. Uh, we are parting ways with the spin-off while still remaining the best of friends, and we are taking a hiatus while we consider our next move. Um, so thank you so much to our listeners, to you guys, and to Tina, our little bestie, and to the spin-off. Um, we've loved making Paper Cuts, and we're actually all like, in a, you know, we're all chill, it's all totally fine, but... I am slightly tearing up right now. I think maybe, <laughs> maybe at the beauty of the words that I wrote. <laughs> I think um, I think I I would like to thank my co-hosts as well, Jenna and Louisa, for being so much fun to do the podcast with. And 
One thing about paper cuts, I think, is that I've actually made some quite neat online friendships from listeners who I would not have otherwise connected with. So that's been a really lovely thing too. Um, I'm really grateful for that. So oh, thank you. Thanks, Karen. Oh, I thanks, feel like Karen. I wish I'd said that, that, that I was grateful to you guys. <laughs> Well, yes, well, I, I was going to say. <laughs> and I feel like um, Lou, Lou and I have been friends from way back, but we really sealed our friendship with you, Karen, over oh, paper I cuts. Know. Yeah, that's I know. so true. When we started creepily messaging you <laughs> yeah. a few years ago. I love it. <laughs> it I love random. I've met it? you once, I think. I know. <laughs> but how long have we so been good. going for? Oh, so like three, three, years? three years, just over. Um, wow. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Crazy it's amazing. It's amazing we've got away with it for so long. That's what it feels like. That's it feels like we've gone away uh, with it. Statement. And we've just been waiting to be kicked out, but no one has. <laughs> like, we've kind of gate interlopers. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, th- this is, as we said, this is a hiatus. Exactly. And we're plotting. Yeah, yeah. Watch this space. Yes. For sure. Should we do book, book reviews? Yeah. Oh my God. So much emotion. <laughs> Just take a deep sip of pals. Yeah. Good sound effect. <laughs> All right. Who wants to go first? Is anyone feeling thirsty? I think Louisa and mine are quite connected. So we should talk one after the other. So maybe you should talk first, Karen. Oh, sure. So. Um, my book review is a New Zealand book, uh, a new one called The Mirror Book by Charlotte Grimshaw, published by Vintage New Zealand. Um, and I'm calling it already as one of the memoirs of the year. I know you've both read it, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I really, really love this book. So Charlotte Grimshaw, award-winning New Zealand novelist. And she belongs to a kind of heavyweight literary New Zealand family. Her father is the writer C.K. Stead. And so when she was growing up, if things were a bit awry, her parents, Kay and Carl, would always say to her, it's material, make a story out of it. And she's called their bluff and done just that. And it's a complete knockout of a book. Um, People are just going to love this. And what it does is it offers backstage access to one of New Zealand's most sort of intellectually fearsome families, um, literary families. And what she does is she strenuously interrogates the dynamics of what she calls her tidally chaotic, respectably anarchic, stably unstable family which I just love and she delicately traces the rising curve of friction and chaos within that family um she's such a hypersensitive and lucid observer and the mirror book really I mean that what is what makes the book land so hard um it's her way of facing things squarely to break out of what she calls decades of learned behaviour and it documents the inevitable disputes that arise when one dares to step out of the designated family roles. So it's pretty juicy. Um, Like many memoirs, this one begins with a conflict which sees Grimshaw's world rocked by a crisis, which I guess is the catalyst for her to go back and navigate the distress signals. And um, I think... What really comes across is that through her kind of moderate family life and kind of quite orderly orderly life is this kind of constant hum of 
chaos. Um, I think it's really important to be clear that it's not a resentful or angry book and that would be such an easy thing to do and she does not do that at all. It really comes across in the book that she is such a devoted daughter, in fact, um, and quite loyal to her parents, but... Um, it's amazing. They're referred to as Carl and Kay in the book, and they're kind of this gaslighting double act. So you've got Carl, who is power-packed, irritable, intellectual, and he's prone to almost comical explosions of rage. And when she describes some of his um, episodes of rage, um, a sequence of, what does she describe it as? A sequence of... Um, extraordinary squints and scowls <laughs> it's just kind of actually quite quite funny but Kay comes across as this kind of cold and melodramatic woman a kind of blizzard of frosty indifference and sulky passive aggressive behavior and um after reading the book I don't know if you guys listened to the Kim Hill interview with Carl Stead um, maybe last year or the year before. I think it was last year on RNZ. And anyway, so Carl's multiple infidelities have been well documented and Kim Hill sort of says offhand to him, oh, your wife, she must be a, be a saint. She must have the patience of a saint. And after reading this book, it's quite extraordinary to think that because... Man, there's so many examples, but there's one moment where Grimshaw and Kay are out walking and this man comes up and says to Charlotte, I really loved your last novel, your latest novel. Um, you're really giving your dad a run for his money. <laughs> and, you know, Kay's very charming when he's there, but when he leaves, she mutters, what a cunt. And the shock and backhanded cruelty of it is like a sudden slap in the face. It's just extraordinary. But anyway, Grimshaw, she's such a, a writer of such unquestionable depth. And I was kind of thinking reading it that it must be overwhelming for her. All that thinking, all that thinking and thinking and this kind of meticulous ability to be able to examine everything from every possible angle imaginable. It's extraordinary, really. Um, just absolutely loved this book. And, you know, I've always sort of thought of Grimshaw as kind of an aloof and frosty kind of character, um, kind of walled off and a bit aloof but in these pages she's actually really likeable what comes across really strongly is that she's got a really strong moral compass and ethical um, compass and a really strong sense of justice and empathy which was um, quite lovely I think we gained so much insight into into Grimshaw um, you know as a, a loyal daughter as I said a kind and loving mother, a sharp thinker, and um, a great writer. And um, there's just so many great scenes in the book, but, you know, there's excruciating grief, and there's loneliness, and infidelity, and psychological and emotional abuse, and physical violence. Um, 
it's quite revealing. She she writes of being bullied at school and how encouraged by Kay's free-range approach to parenting. She ran wild as a kind of lawless teenager. She was um, roaming the Auckland streets at night, sort of setting cars on fire and blowing up phone boxes and smoking hash at Sweetwaters. So um, quite quite an amazing, amazing story here. Um, but yeah, absolutely love this book. I think she's actually a peerless writer and it's one of the best New Zealand memoirs I've read in a really long time actually so I think people will really love it she's such a class act Mm, yeah no it's one it's a really really great book um what are you about to say Lou oh I was just about to say I agree with everything Karen said yeah (laughs) (laughs) there's quite a few parallels with the story of something that's kind of a bit lower brow I guess but I've just read How to Murder Your Life by Kat Marnell uh which is a Louisa oh yeah I reviewed it that on the spinoff back in the day maybe we should link to that yeah we could and yeah uh, so I just listened to an audiobook recently, which is, oh, it's just this, like, crazy tale. It's a little bit like, um, oh, what's the Atosa Moshvig book? Um, oh. My Rest and Relaxation. Yeah, it's like that in real life memoir. Mm. But her sister, so I was like, read this book, and then I, or listen to this book, and I thought, oh, I want to see what her sister's up to. And her sister is um, kind of having a bit of an episode on Instagram stories, but she is like, reposting the stuff that her parents are saying to her saying what happened to you was not real stop talking about it it's all in your head and she's talking about this violence that she went through as a as a teenager and just after reading the mirror book I was like oh yeah so similar but very different I think (laughs) it's like in a way like from what I remember of Kat's book of Marnell's book similarly quite a um a Tony sort of posh middle class upbringing, yeah. and I think that um, yeah, that's. It, I feel like Charlotte's book really brings out the nuances of, of what can happen in a kind of middle class into a yeah. intellectually elite family where everyone is incredibly erudite and extremely um, adept at psychological manipulation. <laughs> <laughs> In all its subtleties, <laughs> I, yeah, I just I think it's so well drawn, and I I just loved your review, Karen. I thought that you painted oh, such you. an amazing picture of what it's like to thank read that you. book. Thank you. Yeah, it's a it's a book you can't put down either. It's no, so and everybody pretty. is telling me that as well who are who are currently reading it. I've had so many messages from people who are reading it. And a lot of people who weren't going to read it until we talked about it or they read my review, which was published in Metro magazine, and they're all saying the same thing. Mm. Cannot put it down. Yeah. Uh, Siri read 150 pages last night in one go. (gasps) Wow. Jesus. She was like, I'll be finished it by tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Easy. Easily done. Um, So that book for uh, the... You know, if you're like wanting to go out and buy that tomorrow, it's just running a little bit behind on the boats and it'll be there at early mid April in your local bookstore. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful cover photographed by Marty Friedlander. Oh, so gorgeous. Great design by Francoise on it. Amazing. Great design by Katrina Duncan. Yes, absolutely. And Charlotte will be at the festival, as previously mentioned. And the design is following this trend of yellow spines in the New Zealand. 
Oh, we thought, and, we um, thought it would be you know original. You, you know who you've got to thank for that, eh? Every Pan's Book Design Awards. When I do my um, design workshop session, I always say, think about doing a yellow spine because it pops on the shop floor. <laughs> and now we've got a, a whole slew of yellow. <laughs> well, yeah, you can see it from across the shop. Yeah. I see it. But not if they're all yellow. Just, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, just doing my bit. <laughs> cool. Okay. Who's next? Is it me? Okay. I can't wait to hear this review. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Um, God, I missed book club because I was going to, like, try out my moves on you guys. Because <laughs> oh. this was our book club book. Yeah. Yeah. So I've read it as it. well. Um, so you can let me know what they said after I've given my review. Okay. So I am reviewing Fake Accounts by Lauren Euler. I always want to say Olia, but it's Euler. Mm. Um, so this is a hilarious acerbic densely written debut novel from a millennial internet critic who I actually started reading ages ago back in the heyday of vice.com and broadly their their ladies (laughs) ladies segment (laughs) what's the daily mail column female (laughs) Female. something like that god (laughs) um so she's an incredible critic and she does not hold back on what she says about her fellow millennial writers so i mean i always worry when a writer makes the jump from kind of short form and and criticism to a full-length novel Um, but i think oiler makes use of her critical skills to just a devastating effect so in this book our unnamed protagonist who really kind of walks the line between hero and anti-hero. She looks at her dropkick boyfriend's phone in the dead of night to see if he's cheating on her. <laughs> and, um... Ugh. Yeah, I know. Everyone, <laughs> just, everyone's insides just clenched, eh? Um, he's really emotionally unavailable, and their relationship is really dissatisfying. But it's also just, like, one of those impulses that you should not indulge, especially not in the dead of night. But anyway, so she looks to see if he's cheating. She goes all the way through his phone. She finds a folder that um, holds an anonymous, I think, Instagram account posting insane Alex Jones-esque right-wing conspiracy theories. (laughs) (laughs) And he doesn't doesn't have a personal Instagram. No, and he's not on social media, apparently, because he's one of those They're the ones you've got to look out for. (laughs) Totally. Um. And, and of course, you know, they're just like a New York left-wing hipster couple. So, you know, she, it's just totally out of left field, so to speak. Um, so she doesn't confront him right away. But before she gets the chance to, a series of really fucked up, stranger-than-fiction events take place, which I will not reveal. Um, anyway, the action kind of moves from Berlin, where she met this guy, to New York, where they have this dissatisfying relationship. And then back to Berlin, due to all the crazy fucked-up twists... There are so many twists. Um, and I just, the parts that are set in Berlin are so fucking funny to me. Um, just really, <laughs> she really skewers that hipster, anglophone, expat community and just how, you know, especially her fellow Americans, um, just, you know, completely rootless idiots who think they're doing something very profound by living in a different country and the book is really kind of dense and full of illusions very she can tell that she's really well read and just constantly online it's just such an Mm. online novel I mean hence the name fake accounts which of course has a clever little pun in it because a lot of people are giving fake accounts of themselves in this novel Um, at one point our protagonist does so and she sets up kind of 
false personas for herself based on the signs of the zodiac and goes on dates. <laughs> so she goes on dates as a Capricorn, etc. Um, <laughs> Fun. It's really, really fun, um, but also quite devastating in parts. Um, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think I, it was something I really enjoyed. I always like when I learn a new word in a novel. Mm-hmm. And so I learned mm-hmm. the word Manichaean, which describes a dualistic view of life based on the belief that there are two opposites in everything, like good and evil, black and white. It's like black and white thinking, basically. Mm. And mm. it's used in the context of um, someone posting on Twitter that, like, People with Manichaean attitudes towards food are, you know, idiots. <laughs> Which I don't agree with, but it's fine. There was a lot in this novel that I didn't agree with, but I enjoyed it so much. I thought the um, the narrator does a good job of kind of being aware of her place as a kind of attractive white women in the world and kind of the privileges that come with that but while also just kind of being a bit of a brat so yeah I just I enjoyed that I enjoyed it very very much um I think so funny um it's got a killer quote from Zadie Smith on the front which I feel like kind of says it all if you can get Zadie Smith to write something for you yeah totally um Jenna let's have a convo book club hated it book club hated it they hated it Love it. I love that book club hated it. You, the book club hated it, but you loved it, Jenna? Um, what did Jenna think? I don't know if I'd recommend it to people because I just feel like there's better books that you can recommend to them. I found it quite dense, as you said. It is the dense. The font is... I'm Tiny. sorry to be like one of those people, but the font <laughs> is extremely small. It's so oh, that tiny. does make a difference. And it just... <laughs> went on Tina and just on. like putting her hands in the air however I don't have these quotes on me but I feel like even though yeah the character the protagonist is not a very nice person and but there's some things that didn't make sense to me and I questioned throughout the whole book but then they made sense at the end at the end and so I think if you can push through that you will be fine because about yeah. three quarters of the way through I was just like are you kidding me? Is this still going? <laughs> see, that's when I got into it. And I, I see, I think it's a really ambitious plot. That yeah. at time, and at times it kind of feels like you're holding on for dear life with all the weird twists. Totally. And she's making fun of her own genre of writing. She has this section in it where she switches from the dense writing to vignettes. And she's like, now oh, I'm yeah. going to write like all the other like white sad girl writers. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. And she has a few lines about internet and the internet culture that are so <clears throat> spot on. Oh, it's, it's so funny. I wish awesome. I'd lifted some quotes, but I was just like ripping through it. And, one and also thing- I had no idea I was going to review it for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had, uh, you know, I've, only, I've spent three days in Berlin. I really, um, yeah, it's a nice place to go on holiday, yada, yada. But um, she, I, she really took me back there. Same. I had the same experience because I think spent... I think I spent a grand total also of three days there. But it took me back there so hard out that I took up my laptop and started writing my own little Emini essay about Berlin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's because it's such a, like, it's a bubble of life that people live over there. Oh, totally. Um, that's constant. It's changing in spite of itself. You know, it's like people are trying to seek out this yeah. experience and now it's not what it was or whatever. But it's... Um, it's like K-Road. Yeah. <laughs> 
okay, I still love Key Road. And uh, but I think yeah, this was like for me maybe a three star book, which is fine. But I just think on the level of the volume that I read, it's yeah, it's quite low on the ah, the pile. But I do yeah. think it had a lot of interesting stuff to say. She's so three so, stars out of five. Yeah, I think for me it was a four. Like it was oh, definitely yeah. not perfect, but I just I really enjoyed it and was cracking up. And oh, I just cool. thought that did such a good job of kind of like conveying that really dense, like writerly online life to- that oh, so yeah. many people lead. So, for sure. So there's some people that would don't live that life, which in my review it will be the same thing. Yeah. That, um, you'd just be like, what the fuck is this? What are they yeah. talking about? Yeah, yeah. But she does spend <laughs> a lot of the beginning of the book describing the internet to you which yeah. if you already know what she's talking about you're like okay I get it <laughs> that's <But> like, <laughs> what did book club think of it did they hate the protagonist yes ah yeah Kara quite liked it ah good old Kara she gives it four stars too yes yeah um, Olivia and Laurel La- Laurel couldn't finish it Olivia ah uh, yeah Olivia Olivia nice like, people <laughs> Olivia said it reminded her of her three days in Berlin as well <laughs> <laughs> I think one the one quote that I can remember is at the start when she meets her boyfriend and he's he's a tour guide and he takes tourists to all these shitty nightclubs that are like obviously paying the company to like bring tourists there and he's like I think at one point he's just like he's just kind of herding them along and he's like don't talk to the Germans they don't like you <laughs> <laughs> which made me laugh because it's so true. <laughs> I think I think a lot of our listeners would be interested in reading this book and they would get a lot out of it. Yeah, it's yes. quite divisive, yeah. which I actually like. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those yeah. things on Goodreads where it's five stars or one star. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Jenna. Well, let's have your thanks, review. Lou. Thanks, guys. I think ours link right together nicely and Lauren Euler and Patricia Lockwood have actually done a series of dual book of online book events in the States for their books um, and they talk a lot about the same stuff so Patricia Lockwood has written her first novel it's called No One Is Talking About This she is a poet but she's really well known for her book called um, Priest Daddy which is this hilarious comic memoir about her priest father who <laughs> I don't know washes his legs <laughs> with dishwashing liquid and like just has a quite a, uh, he's like quite a loopy family story. I'm not doing it justice. It's it's really it's good. It's on my TBR pile. Someone like uh, someone recently like ordered me to read it. Someone it's who's so judgment great. I trust. It's so great. And so it's published by Bloomsbury, who I love, and it's just been long listed for the Women's Prize, which mm. is very exciting. It's a really cool cover too. Um, I actually listened to this as an audio book, but I want to read um, just the first paragraph for you because then you'll get a. a a sense of the pace. She opened the portal and the mind met her more than halfway. Inside, it was tropical and snowing and the first flake of the blizzard of everything landed on her tongue and melted. Close-ups of nail art, a pebble from outer space, a tarantula's compound eyes, a storm like canned peaches on the surface of Jupiter, Van Gogh's The Potato Eaters, a chihuahua perched on a man's erection, a garage door spray-painted with the words, Stop! Don't email my wife. Why did the portal (laughs) feel so private when you only entered it and when you needed to be everywhere? And so... It really really gets across the kind of feverishness 
um, of the internet, doesn't it? So like, yeah. the image it's just like a bombarding <laughs> of like things from all angles. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then she she writes it in the style of the vignette, which Lauren critiques but replicates <laughs> in her book. I don't even know if she's critiquing it. She's just trying it out. But So uh, we have this protagonist who has become famous for a post, an internet post that says, can a dog be twins? That's it. She becomes really famous <laughs> because of that. And she travels the world speaking at conferences about pop culture and being on the internet. And Lockwood does have a connection to this because she went viral back in the day as well yeah. for a poem that she wrote. So the beginning, the part one of the book is full of talking about emojis. There's lots of exclamation marks. There's lots of lols, irony, doom scrolls, and poetry in this great rhythm. It's quite tweety all the way through, like just like, yeah. oh, this would be a good tweet, but in a book. Um, <laughs> and it's combining politics, the body, food, animals, and everything's on the same level, just like the internet is it feels like you're scrolling through twitter um so if you don't connect it all with twitter i feel like you could be like with the fake accounts thing you'd be like what is what does this mean but it's um it's really the way that her words roll in together you can tell that real poet poet in her shines through she just describes everything's quite shiny and really, really witty, like so ridiculously funny. She kind of got a Miranda. It's almost to like, like really. It's almost exhaustingly funny. Yeah, it's just and, like <laughs> and witty. <Yeah. laughs> it's like jam packed. And she describes <laughs> the new way of laughing as ah ha 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 ha, and so like that all the way through. <laughs> she's really. She's yeah. She's she's funny, but to some people, she would be traumatizingly horrible. <laughs> Um, but she's kind of got that Miranda July type. I was going to say as well that she's a little bit loopy and quirky, right? A little bit yeah, offbeat, totally. Whereas totally. I feel like Euler's a bit more, just kind of like maybe a bit more. I don't know, just heavily intellectual. Yeah, a bit spikier as yeah, well. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And so this is yeah. So you're reading this; it's really great. And so I was listening to it, and I was like, "Oh, cool! It had a great pace, and just like straight into it." And then we get this go to part two, and we have this shift in tone. So the narrator's sister becomes pregnant, and her baby is born with a serious birth defect. So this the family come back to Ohio around the baby when the baby's born, and they just spend the short period of this baby's life. Um, you know, fixing its oxygen tubes and feeding it and just like swaddling it and trying to give this baby amazing experiences before it dies. So it real the cha- the tone just totally flips to this really sad story. And if you've read Priest Daddy, you'll feel this close bond with her family and you and you really imagine all these characters as the characters in Priest Daddy. And I know it's fiction, but it is. Te- it is autofiction. So um, it's it turns into this really insular, intense family experience that um, is the opposite of the internet and how 
moments when you feel like all of that swirling matter matters to you so much, but when something real happens and something tangible happens, none of that stuff matters anymore. So it's got a very strong, like, you know, slaps you in the face. But so she, and there's lots of interviews with her talking about how this happened to her, her sister, um... Her sister's baby was born with Proteus syndrome. And so you can feel like it's this urgent uh, dedication to her niece that died. Um, and I feel like we're going to talk about Michelle Langston's book soon, but it, it's like they're both furiously writing into their grief as this beautiful, um, this beautiful tribute to someone in their family. So it's intense and sad in the second half and it really, you know, just puts everything into perspective. It really, it, it, yeah, I, I really liked it. I don't think everyone will love it, but I thought it was really successful in what it was trying to do. It's not very long. It's only 200 pages or something. Oh, love that. I think um, I think people will be really interested because um, <laughs> Priest Daddy was just immense. And that was such a hugely successful book, and people will be really interested in a novel from her. Mm. Um, I've read a couple of chapters of it. Well, actually, no, I'm probably about ninety pages through, but more than I thought. And um, yeah, it, it's really great. <laughs> yeah, she's. She, I'll read anything that she writes now. I think yeah. she's really smart. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and how yeah, how do you be a writer? How are you an artist with the internet distracting you? Which so many of these books coming out are like that. Yeah. This sort of like Trump yeah. recovery. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's my review. Well well um yeah, well deserved long listing for the Bullman's Prize. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season we're exploring the US market the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. Talo for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spinoff member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. They will also be on your bookstore's shelf <laughs> at some point. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, for people, Something who, to look forward for people to. who aren't in the industry and who don't know, just like, quickly obviously like books are really really impacted by um the lack of planes flying goods into the country um it just is taking just years it feels like for books to get into the country um yeah, yeah also um a lot of books get printed offshore so um there are actually yeah. delays at that end as well so did you guys see the picture of the cargo ship that accidentally oh, yes. sideways <laughs> somewhere <laughs> that was blocking it's something amazing <laughs> but it's kind of like i see it as like you know when you're at the library you just put it on hold and then one day yeah. it comes it's the it'll show up and it'll be a delight when it arrives and it's not like there's a shortage of um other things to read in the meantime exactly that's true the backlog if anything but I think a lot of our <laughs> listeners would really like all the books that we've reviewed they're such I think so too books. yeah I think so too oh, yeah. such a good selection and some nice little like interplays of themes of like family and 
the internet. No internet in Charlotte's book, but yeah, does she even mention Um, the internet? I don't know. I can't remember. Not not overtly. No, really. Which is nice. (laughs) Although, um, I guess another theme in today's podcast is lying and um, versions of versions of truth, but also um, the internet and also Trump recovery. What you just said, Jenna. as well yeah it's a hangover it's a hangover I was um I think you know like listening to RNZ whatever every morning and you know Susie and Corin come on and it's so nice not to have um them oh, talking yeah. about Trump in the morning oh, headlines awesome and one day I was like I don't think I've thought about him for a week it's really nice <laughs> What a luxury a week. I occasionally like have like my stomach drops and I'm like, but he could come back. (laughs) No, he can't. But that's just my personality. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get cracking. All right, not books. Who's up first? Karen, do you want to go first again? Maybe I'll go first because my thing kind of seeks into what we've just been talking about, um, the Trump thing. And just to be really, really radical, (laughs) instead of a not books, um, I've actually got another book review <laughs> because I don't know the I rules <laughs> well no it's not it's not I'm making the rules today and I'm doing another book review in lieu of um not books because this is my life it's <laughs> too, um, too much to ask us to consume anything that's not books oh yeah I think so but um just talking about Trump the book that I'm going to talk about is one of the best books I've read um Oh, yeah, I've read a shitload this year already. Um, But this book is so good. It's We Run the Tides by Vendela Vida. And Jenna's read this book and she absolutely loved it as well. And when I finished this book, I actually kissed it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. I just kind of, I got to the last page, closed the book and kind of kissed it. Because it is so good. It is a perfect book. It's a perfect book. And... It actually, it's a novel, and it actually began its life as a non-fiction book about lying um, that Vendela Vida started writing in 2016 when Trump got elected, um, which I just think is so fascinating, but she's ended up with this novel, which is completely not about Trump at all. Um, So Jenna and I both really loved her previous novel the divers clothes empty oh (laughs) you too yep the three of us the three of us all loved that book and I didn't think it was possible for her to top that novel and yet here we are with we run the tides um Louisa your eyebrows I'm I'm very intrigued (laughs) by that statement it, it is so good hence the kiss I don't just kiss anything for no reason put a red <laughs> lipstick mark on it <laughs> a bit of a, a bit of a das imprint but it's set in San Francisco in 1984 and around a girls school and it's about female friendship and also lying and the consequences of lying but also the consequences of what happens when you don't go along with a lie and so um, I actually think you could give this book to anybody because it's a coming-of-age story, it's a mystery, and it's really funny. It's like the unicorn of the bookshop world, you know? It's a funny book. Um, 
And I actually interviewed Venda La Vida yesterday, and you'll be able to read that article in New Zealand Herald's Canvas pretty soon. And I think this book has a real freaks and geeks vibe. Ooh. Yeah. Um, great TV show, and it sort of explores the ephemeral nature of female friendship and kind of that quicksilver um, vibe of teenage female friendships. You know, you, you're so close, so close where the stakes are so high, but then, you know, like all these little shifts and can happen in the dynamics and you'll do anything to kind of um, overcome that gulf. And it's also a coming out of age story about San Francisco because it's 1984. It's kind of the end of the hippie idealistic dream is that kind of gave way to something a lot darker as kind of venture capitalists moved in and um, new money. And when I talked to Vendela Vida, she was saying, oh, you know, one of my friends told me that everything I learned about office politics, I learned from high school. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, gosh, it's so, um, so on the money. But anyway, the two girls in this book um, that the friendship is based around um, is a girl called Eula B and her friend Maria Fabiola. And... Separately, they're good girls, but when they come together, there's this kind of strange alchemy where they are just trouble. And I'm sure we can all kind of relate to that with our kind of adolescent um, friendships. But I think this is a really true novel of um, the kind of character and place. And um, it has such extraordinary, rich sensory detail that really places you Squarely in the world, and from the first page, it's completely um, compelling and immersive. And I laughed out loud so much. There's just so many great scenes in it. It really kind of encapsulates what it is to be um, an adolescent female. I think people will love this book, so I highly, highly recommend it. Great cover. Great cover. Um, she's a great writer. Just one of the truest kind of depictions of um, friendship. Some good music references in there, Karen. Great music <laughs> references um, for Halloween. <laughs> for Halloween, her friends and her decide to go to school dressed up as the Go-Go's um, on that classic record cover where they are, um, they've got face masks and towel turbans and cucumber eyes and robes. so... <laughs> so good and um she wants to go to there's this boy that she kind of likes and he's on a skateboard and he's into the psychedelic furs great band and so she kind of gets into them she goes and buys a record and she wants to go to the concert with him so she gets someone buys her two tickets so she can ask him out to go to this concert and you know it's almost like you know when you're an adolescent you're a teenager and Almost like the preparation of going to an event is more important than the event itself. You know, what you're, what you're oh, going to yeah. wear mm. and um, all the rest of it. And um, her dad, before he lets her go, he's like, oh, well, you know, I want to listen to this band first to make sure it's, you know, appropriate. And it reminded me of that amazing scene in Freaks and Geeks where 
Lindsay wants to go to that music festival and the father's like, Well, I've gotta to listen to gotta to listen to this band, The Who first. And it's that it's that song Squeeze Box. Yes. He's like, Oh, it's so rude. You're not going to this. Um But yeah, fantastic novel. People will love it. Due April. April May. Oh, it should be it's it is on the boat. It's, it's it on is the on the boat and um it's it's in transit, so yeah, great book. Oh. I'd give it to you. You're gonna like, love it, I'm Louise. Just, like, you wriggling just in my seat. I just want to like run out of here and <laughs> oh, actually, I just want to steal it from one of you guys. I need yeah. to read I it. I can tell you, Hazel, you can yeah. turn up on their doorstep. Yeah. <laughs> you know I will. So that's my um not books. book book <laughs> review. Hey, it's worth <laughs> worth slotting that in. Hey, I really enjoyed that, and I think we all need to know about books that are kind of guaranteed winners yeah it's kind of a oh, public yeah. service that's why I just yeah I felt like I really needed to tell people about this book because <laughs> um you know I've read probably about 40 books this year so far and this is right up there it's so great yeah should I go next yeah I've got yes. nothing you, you've got literally nothing for your books just get into the casketeers again oh there you go that's <sighs> all the fire's going in the fire that's that's great <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Lou, your not books is actually something I've been doing oh. as well. Okay. All right, so let's get into Which my not so, books. I so weird. am watching The Sopranos from the beginning. So am I. <laughs> ah. Oh, my God, it's so fucking good. So this is actually on Neon right now, which is amazing, the whole thing. Um, it came out in 1999. It's aged really well, I think. It's so good. Um, and it's – but there's also such nostalgia when I watch it. And, I mean, like, um, just the out, the outfits and, like, the first family gathering where they're playing um, Annie Lennox, No More I Love You. Yes, <laughs> And um, there's so much more humour than I remember being in it. Um, lots of really, really, really clever blink and you'll miss it visual gags. Wonderful performances, especially James Gandolfini. Lovely, lovely James oh Gandolfini. R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, yeah. What a guy. It's I love it so much. But the only thing is, is that I'm just like, I, I do feel a little bit anxious because I'm just like, oh, I know it's not going to go well for you guys. <laughs> Uh, so I have never actually watched it oh, before. Shit. No, spoilers. no, no, no. Yes, yeah, so no spoilers. But um, my mother, I remember my mum used to watch it. And cool. for some reason I was like, oh, this is a popular show. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm not a binge watcher because I'm so heavily kind of invested in what I watch. I get kind of screen fatigue from all that, all my like analytical brain power. <laughs> And um, last night I watched two episodes back to back. Oh, yeah. I um, I'm kind of watching an episode a night with my partner. Like, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's a nice thing to do with someone. It's that's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's not a binge on your own. Um, getting confronting messages about are you still watching? It's more of a like <laughs> you got to you got to like you got to savor it. You got to like ration it because yeah. you know that it's going to end. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so funny that you're watching it as well. I know. It's, like, what are the odds yeah. of such an old old show? Wow, um, it's a classic. Stu was yeah. watching it a few years ago, and I dro- I dropped the bomb. I didn't realize he didn't know that James Gandolfini was dead, and his oh. shoulders <laughs> just like he was oh. so sad. It is really it sad. It is really he's sad. He's just such a he's such a dad. He's just the dad of TV. Even though he's also, dad. you know, a ruthless mafioso. Yeah. But, you know, whose dad isn't? 
just quickly, um, my other little thing is, seeing as Jenna's not doing one, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll take your spot. Um, Obscure Season 2, Frankenstein. I actually re- So this is a podcast called Obscure. I reviewed Season 1 in the third episode of Paper Cuts all those years ago. Um, comedian Michael Ian Black reads from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein aloud and comments as he goes. There's so much to talk about when it comes to Frankenstein. Um, it's such a weird book. It's got this weird narrative within a narrative structure. The context it was written in is so strange. Um, you know, even down to the fact that people confuse the monster and the creator and they say, oh, you're such a Frankenstein, meaning the monster. Um <laughs> It's, it's all just, um, I, you know, I really recommend it. And you don't have to have read Frankenstein because it's literally the whole book read aloud. Um, so you can read it while, while also getting some lols in because cool. he's a comedian. So I do recommend that. It's like Gogglebox, right. audiobook. I've never watched Gogglebox. But, but I neither have I, but I just <laughs> I think it's like people talking while watching TV. <laughs> um, let's get on to our TBR pals, gang. Karen, you go first. Oh, okay, so I'm halfway through this book called Greta and Valden by Rebecca K. Riley, published by VUP. And far out, it is so good. Every single page is cracking me up to the point where I am reading bits out to my partner, Nick. Cool. Like, constantly and annoying him. (laughs) He's like, that's not that funny. (laughs) But there's this bit. Oh, honestly, like I could read bits out to you and you guys would be cracking up. It is like relentlessly funny. I think people are going to love this book. It's not out until May, I'm sorry, but it is something for you to look forward to. Um, really fresh, relentlessly funny, bewilderingly so. Um, and you both are going to love this book, Jenna and Louise. Cool. So, yeah, definitely. And another one um, on my TBR. This is a bit of a, like, um, heavyweight TBR pile. And all of these books, um, I'm doing author interviews and reviews. So whatever happens with Paper Cuts, you're not going to be able to avoid me um, talking about these books. Um, This is my most anticipated book of the year, and it's called The Foghorn's Lament. The Disappearing Music of the Coast. And it's by Jennifer Lucy Allen. And it's published by White Rabbit Books, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, I just cannot wait to get stuck into this. So I'm interviewing Jennifer. Um, so that will be around for people Karen, to check sorry out. to interrupt, but like, I feel like you posted something by her a while ago. Oh, yes, I did. And we can actually link that on the pod. Oh, she that was made, terrific. Um, yeah, she made a really fantastic little documentary uh, for the BBC about foghorns um, and their place on the coast, and she interviewed people, and it's a really amazing piece. So we will link that um, as a little, thank you for the reminder, as a little taster um, for this book. She did her PhD on foghorns, <laughs> which I just think is just so cool and esoteric and right up my alley, and I'm so thrilled that I've actually found a publication to be able to write about a book like this for because who the hell would let you do it? Um, another book on my TBR is Animal by Lisa Tadeo, which is the follow-up to her book Three Women, which we've talked about at length on the podcast. This is a novel. And 
also is my rock and roll friend by Tracy Thorne, who I'm a huge fan of. And this is a book about music and female friendship. So amazing TBR pile. I just want to read them all immediately. So many good books coming out. Lots for everyone to look forward to. Cool. I know. Oh, such good books out this year. I can't handle it. I know. All right, I'll go next. I'm just doing two, which is very restrained, I think, um, because yeah, the books are the books are coming. Um, so first up is just an audiobook I'm listening to, which is a bit of light relief. Um, it's called The Magpie Murders by Anthony Horowitz. Um, this is, I think, within the genre of cozy crime, and this is another book within a book narrative where you have this kind of like. You know, it starts off with this woman being like, I work at a publisher's and I was so excited to read this book, but now I wish I hadn't. Here it is, um, which I love. And I'm almost sick of books that are set within the publishing world, but I'm not quite sick of it. Because, <laughs> like, whenever they say something that's true, then, like when they talk about the ridiculousness of quotes on the front of books and, like, how they always yeah. say that it's, like, unput down the book of the year, etc. Um <laughs> <laughs> like it's well done enough that I was kind of like chuckling and not rolling my eyes um, but yeah um, so the the book within a book you know they're like oh this book's so fantastic and it's like it's a great cozy crime book but it's not like astounding you know like they say it is but the book's unfinished so they have to figure out like ah. yeah yeah, they have to figure out who done it it's great um, you know it's it's nicely distracting me from all the all the work that I have to do <laughs> in my life um <laughs> And then the other one on my pile, I may as well get this discussion rolling, eh? Is um, Times Like These by M- Michelle oh. Langston. That is also on my TBR as well, because I'm interviewing Michelle too. <laughs> Published by Ellen. Are you going to sleep anytime soon, Karen? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, so Michelle Langston, um, actress, writer, um, friend, honestly. Yeah. Um, we love Michelle. Straight up. Straight up friend. Um, this is her book of essays coming out also in May from Alan and Unwin. Um, so this is your copy, Jenna, at, which I borrowed from you. And I texted you because the moment I sat down to read it, I just had tears streaming down my face and not from laughter. Yeah. Just want to make that That's absolutely the clear. the opposite of Tears funny. of sadness, <laughs> not tears of joy. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's so affecting. Um, so the first essays deal with the death of Michelle's really beloved dad. And I think she just conveys, she conveys that love and that grief Mm. in such a raw and no holds barred, just beautiful way. It's so moving and, you know, just, it just blew me away, honestly. And Mm. I had to keep on pausing Mm. Because I was like, mm. I don't want to be sobbing, right? You know, I was like, you know, I, I'd be reading and then like a tear would come and I'd wipe it away and then more tears, I'd wipe it away. And then it was just like, i got to stop. Yeah. You know, I don't have time for like a full yeah. cry right now. I know. And <laughs> she does that She does that thing too where she really places you squarely in that world, you know, like sitting in the hospice or hospital with her father and it's so immediate, oh. so sensory. It's, it, it's like where you... Were you there taking notes? Mm. You know, it's like yeah, so um, it's precise and exacting. Yeah. Um, one bit that I really, that stood out to me in those first essays was um, when she talks about this couch that she has 
that has this kind of like little mark on it from where his head was resting against it because he was curled up on it for the last kind of weeks and months of his life and now she won't wash it away and she kind of puts her face up against it oh my god I'm crying again <laughs> yeah it's it's beautiful and it links in the it's a lot about this grief but then also the step into uh, trying to have a baby as well and um, that's really emotional and hard and it's and it's like Patricia Lockwood writing into her grief like she just goes into it it's such a beautiful tribute to her dad and their relationship and the snippets of memories and the connection to water and and that family life it's just it's such a beautiful tribute. I was so proud of her when I was reading it. And it talks about a few other things like in terms of body and girls at school and yeah, oh, it's can't just wait. And, um, and and walking and walking, like walking yeah. in, in the rain and like just yeah. And she's the yeah. yeah, this chapter where she walks up um Mongafo every day during lockdown and she never says I think like she says the words COVID maybe once or something, but everybody's you don't need to. She kind of talks about this repetition mm. and the nature. And, and you know, she loves nature. She's such a nature person and a bird person. And yeah, she sees all, She sees everything. She takes it all in. Yeah, can't wait for that to come out. Ah, So I've only read the dad essay, so I'm looking forward to getting into the rest of them. Yeah. I yeah. Like, they do I have to give it back? And they're like, no. I was like, yes. They link in really well. It doesn't feel like essay, essay, essay. It's sort of really no. fluid. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So that's my pile. Jenny, you got a hulking pile oh, there. Oh, God, I've just done that thing where all your library books arrive at once and you kind of start <laughs> reading bits of everything and I've got five books <laughs> on the go, which is too many. But I'm reading um, The Believer by Sarah Krasnostin, who wrote The Trauma Cleaner, which mm. we just oh, bloody love that love book. That book. Um, I'm reading How the One-Armed Sister Sweeps Her House, which was by Sherry Jones. I was recommended by Renee at Twizel Bookshop. She's listened to it three times. Driving between three times, yeah, driving between title and Twitter. Um, My Year Abroad by Chang Rei Lee, who wrote a, a book called Native Speaker, I think it was called a few years ago. It's a great coming of age university tale. It's uh, it's really funny. Um, and I'm listening to Clara and the Sun by Ishiguro, and I'm also listening. Love that book. Yeah, it's and oh, the, is it good? Oh, great. The reader is. Awesome. It's really good. <laughs> It's really good. I don't know. I guess just like when authors have been at it for so long, I'm like, are you are you tired? It's like, quite meditative to listen to. I don't know what it's like to read, but I oh, I read it and it's a dream. Yeah. Oh great! Um, and I've never I'm I'm not a Ishiguro fan girl. I've never read him before. It's my first one, and absolutely loved it. And thought about it a lot afterwards. Oh, wow! And it, yeah, it, it really clicked. It's about yeah, yeah the human condition, and it's. Great. And I'm listening to Luster by Raven Leilani as well. Oh, is that good? I've heard a lot about that. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's quite, it's quite saucy. <laughs> I feel like that's a no. No, no, it's like... <laughs> I, I, I was talking about it with my colleagues at work today. Um, I'm not far enough in to give you... It's quite cold. It's quite, ah. it's like, it's quite a cold main character. Oh, I'd probably um, like that. I love a bit of coldness. <laughs> yeah, and it's saying a lot while saying a little. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm really enjoying listening to it. Like, Clara in the Sun's my long, you know, two hours at a time listening and Luster's like, while I'm brushing my teeth. Ah, listening, you know, <laughs> sexy toothbrushing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the pile. Oh, and I just got George Saunders today. A swim in the pond in the rain, and I'm excited about that too. Okay, 
That's us. Great. Oh my god. Amazing. <laughs> so many good books. You'll hear us. Yeah. We're always or, around. Yeah. somewhere. We're we're around. We're squawking about books somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um but but people should write to us and um drop us a line and tell us what they're loving to read and yeah, just give us a bit of love, maybe. Yeah, tell us you wanna tell us you wanna hear from us and give us that boost. Yeah. To get us over the hiatus hump and into yeah. our next yeah maybe we need to yeah. incarnation the encore cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want attention <laughs> but but not but too how much. can people how how can people get a hold of us Luke? okay so please um, email us um, at papercuts pod no papercuts pod at gmail dot com sorry a couple of couple of drinks in um, we're at papercuts pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and I guess you can subscribe to us. Why not? You never know. Yeah, it'll just pop back up. Remember yeah. what happened to RealPod? Just came up. That's true. I was so glad I hadn't cancelled my subscription to that. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> um, so thank you so much to Tina, to Jane, to the spinoff. To, to um, Alice, our to, original recorder. Oh, shit. We're doing the full Alice, like, I bike Oscars past her every morning. Yep. Thank you to Alice. <laughs> Thank you to you guys, my dear friends, Karen and Jenna. Um, Love you guys. Thanks. And to our beautiful listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Kakiteano. Harira. Boy. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, Podcast Manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.